0: Among the poems of the 16th century priest and poet George Herbert, there's one that's named simply Repentance. It begins with a confession, really. It asks for God's mercy. And then at the end of the poem, there's this wonderful kind of statement of faith, almost. Herbert writes, God wilt sin and grief destroy, that so broken bones may joy and tune together in a well-set song full of his praises who dead men raises, fractures well cured make us more strong. I love that last phrase. Fractures well cured make us more strong. The season of Lent is one in which we acknowledge that we fail and we fall, we break, and we sometimes break other people. But with repentance and with forgiveness, we are built up. We are made more strong. We're made stronger than ever before. Repentance runs throughout the scriptures for today, just as it runs throughout this whole season of Lent. In the gospel, there's anxiety about all kinds of things. We hear about them. But in the face of each situation, Jesus calls for repentance. It's a strange response as people bring to him their problems, their concerns, their worries. To each, Jesus says, repent. First, there's this report that Pilate has murdered some people from Galilee because they were offering sacrifices. And so the people talking to Jesus are are wondering if God perhaps allowed the massacre to happen. Perhaps God preferred the religious ceremonies of some over, over others. Jesus avoids that whole issue and says, Don't worry so much about trying to figure out what side God is on, and and don't worry so much trying to figure out why some suffer and others don't. Jesus says, We need to repent. People raise another concern. There's been a tragedy with others killed. A tower has fallen, and innocent people have died. And, and so the people before Jesus are concerned and worried. What does this mean? Where was God? But again, Jesus says those who died were no worse or better than others. And then Jesus again says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The church often reminds us that the meaning of this word repent has to do with turning, with turning around, with changing one's mind, with changing one's life. It's very much like the story of the prodigal son who who goes away and then as he's away, he comes to himself. There's a turning internally before he turns and returns to his father In the Hebrew scriptures and the tradition inherited by Jesus, repentance, this turning, includes even more. It has to do with a turning and returning and being sorry for something and the desire to put things right. Repent, Jesus says. As with most of his teaching, Jesus urges us to to stop judging other people, to stop trying to figure out where we are in God's pecking order of righteousness, to stop living for ourselves alone. We're asked to turn and to return, turn to God and follow Jesus. In our first reading today, the story about Moses. Moses makes a turn, if not a U-turn. If you recall the story, you'll remember that Moses has killed an Egyptian. And rather than become the instant hero to his people, it backfires on him. And they begin to see him as a bully and a know-it-all. And so Moses flees. He runs away from his own people. And so when God speaks to Moses in today's reading, God is not only calling Moses to return to God, but in some ways even more difficult, God is calling Moses to return to his own people, to return to those who have rejected him, to that place of slavery For Moses, there are tremendous risks. There's tremendous cost in returning and repenting, in turning to face and follow God. Moses is appropriately afraid. He's confused. He feels unworthy to return, to lead the people especially, in that these are people who have already rejected him. But Moses is able to hear God's word and to believe God's promise. And so repentance is possible. Moses turns, and it's from that returning that we trace our own salvation. In the words we hear in the Eucharist, out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. For Moses, there will still be times when he'll be tempted to give up on his people and to give up on God There'll be times when the people of Israel will be tempted to give up on Moses and to give up on God. But through the grace of God, they will, all of them, move ahead, repentant, freed, and forgiven. We, too, are called to repent. But that repentance can look like many different things. For some, repentance might mean a very first turning to God. Maybe you didn't grow up in any religious tradition. Maybe you didn't grow up going to church. Maybe you've never gotten around to being baptized or confirmed or or making your own choice to be a part of a church. Maybe you've never really been bothered by the question of God before. But something more recently has shifted. Maybe you're getting older. Maybe you're, you're getting married. Maybe you're about to have a kid. Who knows what it is? Perhaps you're dealing with mortality for the first time. And so you think it might be a time to turn to God. Repentance might mean returning to God. And maybe you've been away for a while. It may be that the church threw you out, or maybe you threw the church out, but you're back. Welcome. You've been missed, and it's a good time to return to God. Maybe repentance for some looks a little like it did for Moses. A return to some of those difficult places of origin, of family origin, of of places where we began... So often, spiritual growth only comes after we have dealt with some of our own personal history after we 've become honest, begun speaking the truth and laying it on, on the, the, laying it all on the altar of God for God to use and transform and make all right, and finally, some of us might be called to return and repent in the old fashioned way to say we're sorry, and to make a new direction. One of the most powerful stories of repentance, of ongoing repentance, of turning in a new way, uh, comes from an organization I like to sort of keep up with. It's in Los Angeles. It's called Homeboy Industries. You can look it up online, and maybe some of you have read of it. Homeboy Industries. Um, For almost 30 years, a Jesuit priest named Father Greg Boyle has worked especially to try to help young men and young women move out of a lifestyle of gang involvement. Homeboy Industries now has a bakery, a diner, a food truck, a market... Um, all sorts of micro-businesses, and just about every type of support service you can imagine. It's a huge undertaking. Father Greg and his organization do everything they can to help young men, men and women get what they need, whether that's education or skills or support, in order especially to find work. And early on, Father Greg noticed a big problem, especially for the young men, but even for the young women a lot of the former gang members had tattoos that visibly associated them with a gang. And so you can just imagine when you go for a job interview and you've got a huge tattoo on your face or your neck saying you're a gang member. It's not exactly the beginning of a good conversation. And so Father Greg got creative, and Homeboy Industries began offering a tattoo removal program. It's nicknamed yestuvo, which is Spanish slang for the moment when a person decides to leave the old life behind and make a new start. Um, yostuvo means, um, I'm done. I'm moving on. It's over. That's that, and now I'm moving forward. That's what that means for the almost a thousand clients a month. <laughs> who have their visible tattoos removed so that they can move in a new way forward. Yestuvo. it's over, it's done. It's a new life ahead. For most of us, whatever it is that holds us back or weighs us down or keeps us from moving forward, for most of us, it's not quite as visible as a tattoo on the face or the neck. It's more secretive, but it's just as strong and it's just as debilitating. The thing that holds us back, or to use traditional language, the sin that holds us back and bogs us down might be invisible to others, but it's there. It's there. When we look in the mirror, when we try to pray, when we try to get through a new day, it feels like a tattoo that's been burned into our skin. And we begin to imagine there's no way for it to be remedied. That's where the church comes in. In confession, whether we confess in silence or to a friend or to a priest or a minister or in community, in confession, we're invited to to say our own version of yestuvo. It's over. I'm done. I'm, I'm turning into a new way. I'm repenting. I'm moving forward. I've had it. I'm done. In forgiveness, the forgiveness that God assures us is ours for the asking, we get a kind of spiritual tattoo removal. We're made clean, we're washed, we're restored to our baptismal state, and so we're free and we're light and we're ready to move forward. In today's somewhat cryptic gospel, it ends with that wonderful story of the fig tree. The fig tree that's not producing. It's not changing. It's not growing. It's not doing anything. It's just sitting there. And so the owner wants it thrown out. Notice the gardener has a little bit of wisdom and insight. The gardener has another idea. Why not wait a season? Why not give it some time? Nurture it give it a little hummus, like we talked about this morning, a little humility, humility being the ground out of which all good things grow, it may still produce. It's not for nothing that Jesus is seen as the gardener after the resurrection. In talking about the fig tree and the gardener who waits patiently, I think Jesus is trying to get us to understand God who waits patiently for us, that's what grace is. It's God's patient waiting for us. Whenever we're ready, whenever we're there, whenever we've made up our minds to turn and return, God is waiting like the parent in the prodigal son's story. There is rejoicing in heaven, for we were lost and are found. We were dead, but now we are alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through God's grace, through God's goodness, we learn and live into the truth of George Herbert's beautiful words, that fractures well cured make us more strong. May God make us stronger this season and always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.